it's been way too long and I really miss you. Love you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese. You're here? What's up, people? It's Top Fives and Deep Dives. We're here this week with a... Uh, we're going to call this sort of a catch-up episode. We're going to we're gonna make a top five list, but Mike and I are each going to count down the top five movies that the other has recommended to us over the course of the podcast so far. And, I mean, we only watched five movies each so it's just going to be ordering the films that we watched um but it'll be a fun time for us to you know give our opinion on a movie that the other really liked or or guest or guest or guest of course of course um so anyways very excited to jump into it but we have decided we're going to we're going to try something new going forward. So you guys know we always do a top 5, a deep dive. From now on the structure of the episodes, we're going to open up, you'll hear us of course. We're going to open up with like a spotlight of the week, which is going to be either a movie, TV show, a song, an album, something that just came out present day that Mike and I want to give our opinion on and just jump into for five or 10 minutes. And then after that, we'll do our top five list, give our honorable mentions as we always do and wrap things up as usual. And of course, bookended at the beginning and the end, we get to hear lovely Zach's voice with our little intro theme song. Um, so, Mike, should we kick this thing off right? What's our What's our first spotlight? That is the little things. The movie that has been the talk of everybody just came out on HBO. Uh, I, I guess it's in theaters too. Is that true? I don't, we don't have theaters open here in the UK, but maybe it is in the US. Yeah. So it's pretty much for anyone that doesn't know this HBO Max. What they're doing this year because of COVID and because not a lot of people are going to the theaters if they're even open where you live. They are releasing every single movie on the Warner Brothers slate this year the same day that it comes out on th- in theaters on HBO Max, and they have it up there for like a limited time. So by the time the next new movie comes out, I want to say they have one coming out every two or three weeks for the year, like a couple days before the latest one will then drop off the system and the new one will come on on you know that friday so the little things just came out recently mike and i both you know we're very curious to see it because it's a you know a thriller it's actually was written back in the 90s but didn't get made until now and it def and so it takes place in the 90s it has a bit of a 90s feel to it um but it's just 
you know, old fashioned thriller deals with a serial killer and sort of perfect because little spoiler alert, but our next episode is going to be a true crime special where we talk about our top five unsolved true crime cases. So very fitting that uh, this movie came into our lives right around now. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. And I honestly, it wasn't on my radar at all just because like, I know I can't go to the theaters ever. They've been closed here for so long. So I've, I've kind of, uh, t- my my mind has been elsewhere, but I was glad to see kind of a new. I mean, you and I both like thrillers. We talked a lot about that on our Nicole Kidman episode, so it was good to get uh, get something in there with some, well, some, some big name stars in there. Yeah, we've we've got Denzel, we've got Rami Malek, we've got Jared Leto. Um, also, special shout out to Chris Bauer, who's a supporting character in this. But I think he's I, I love that guy. So I think he should be a more. Um, but bottom line, you've got three three heavyweights leading this up. Um, and to give like just a little a little synopsis, Denzel plays this you know, he, he works sort of at a, a police department up in the Kern, the Kern area. If you know where that is, it's in California. It's a couple hours uh, north of Los Angeles. And it's sort of more secluded nature area. He's out there. He has to come down to Los Angeles to pick up uh, some evidence. And he goes to what we find out is where he used to work with the LA police force and Rami Malek, sort of the hotshot new detective. And they've been trying to solve this case, uh, where there's a serial killer and you sort of very quickly find out that Denzel had something bad happened. He did something that caused him to end up not working there anymore and live up near, you know, in the Kern Anyways, he sort of gets mixed up with Rami trying to solve this case and help him. And, you know, he had been trying to solve a very similar, potentially the same case five years ago when he was with the department. And it goes from there. We try to figure things out. And Jared Leto plays the potential serial killer. He's in a lot of the movie, and he he he's fantastic in it. I think he did the best job of anyone in it. Yes. Okay. Because so I've said this a few times, but I really don't read reviews until after I watch a movie, and I've seen a lot of people going after Jared Leto, and I am like, whatever you think about the movie, he's the only one that really goes for something interesting, in my opinion. Even if you didn't like it, he's the reason to watch the movie for me. I agree. Well, first off, we'll get right back to that. But what did what was your what did you think of the movie? I think it's bad. I'll be honest. I mean, if, I if think you had to give it out of five stars, what would you give it? Two. I ranked it two out of five. Okay. And I think at best it's three out of five. Like I think the best rating you could give this is basically average. Would you agree with that? I don't think I, anyone's gonna love this movie. I fully agree. I gave it a two point five. I couldn't. I was like. 
I mean, that's sort of cheating, but I was like, I wanted to give it the half because I, I couldn't give it a three because I feel like I could give a good movie a three if it's just not that, you know, there's movies that I like quite a bit that I could maybe give it a three if I didn't think it was that great. Two, I'm like, I didn't, I didn't like the movie if it was a two. I mean, but 2.5, I enjoyed watching the movie. I did. I enjoyed watching the movie, but I think it for the genre, in the end, it ended up falling short. So I just gave it right down the middle, 2.5 out of 5. Yeah, I think for me, it's 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 this particular type of movie that that kind of grinds my gears a bit, which is that like, it's just really tired. You know, it's uninspired filmmaking. It's it's you know similar ideas you've seen. It the, the people comparing it to Seven is totally apt. It's just recycled versions of thrillers. Denzel is is good. I mean, not not a hot take. Denzel's a great actor, but he's not really being asked to do much special in my opinion uh and and you know i mean john lee hancock i think is a fine filmmaker but like if you look at his movies they're all kind of three out of five you know mm-hmm. blindside the rookie i mean they're, they're fine but like and that's personally something that doesn't interest me is like spending two hours for something that i pretty much know at best is going to be fine and that's not a shot at him or anything like that i just this just felt like that same type of formula for me yeah, and the I will say one thing, and and it's no disrespect, by the way, to him, but Rami Malek for me was so incredibly miscast in this role. I, uh, dude, I couldn't agree more. I can't remember in recent memory seeing someone Oscar winner, just so like on a different world. Like I don't know what he was trying to do exactly, but it was like he was in a totally different movie. I. 1000% agree. He just, it and he's didn't. He's a young actor. You know, I think he still needs to find the right roles. True. That, that fit him perfectly. Cause obviously he found one in Bohemian Rhapsody and everybody loved it, you know, but this was just not it for him. No, this wasn't it. I, I truly can't remember the last time in recent memory that there was a movie that came out where I thought someone was so miscast. Like it just, it never made sense to me. He, I don't think he had a grasp on the character or it just, again, it wasn't right for him, but it's no shot at his acting ability. This just wasn't right for him. Yeah. And agreed. Agreed. It's uh, but yeah, but Leto, I mean, he's the, everyone I've talked to about this movie since watching it has all said the same thing that he's the bright spot of the movie. Like he does the most with the role. He's great in it. And he definitely, I'd say is the driving reason to watch it. And then do we want to get it all into what happens in the movie or do we not want to give spoilers away? Uh, no, I think we got to stay clear from spoilers because it came out like a week and a half ago. Yeah, I think you're right. But either way, for me, I'll say in the end, it wasn't quite sad. It wasn't as satisfying as I would have liked. Um, but that's just my take. I thought very intriguing premise. Again, great performance by Leto, but they could have they could have gone a few different ways with this. And I thought the final act was a bit of a letdown for me. Yeah, definitely agree. Basically, all around. I think it's it's just I was hoping for something great, and it just really kind of 
it, it didn't go in any direction that was that was particularly interesting except for you know Leto who had to take take some big chances for his role and I've talked to a few people that didn't like it and 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 that's that's fine I mean if you take big chances there's going to be people that don't like it but for me that's that's what I like in an actor and that's the type of films I want to see where people go big so he's the one that's really the only one that's really going big in his role and and credit to him absolutely so I'd say end of the day my recommendation would be if you like crime, you like thrillers, you know, you're into true crime. Otherwise, if you've got two hours to kill, why not? Worth a watch. But to anyone else, I'd say there's no reason for you to watch this. Agreed. Agreed. So that's that's our first spotlight. I hope you guys enjoyed that. And now we're going to get into our top five for the week, which is, again, over the course of the podcast so far, uh, each episode, obviously, there's movies I haven't seen, there's movies Mike hasn't seen, and there's movies our guests haven't seen, and we all get intrigued by the ones the others shout out. So Mike and I each have a list, I'm sure, of ones that we've com- you know compiled, want to watch. So we finally did watch five this week, and this is going to be each of our five. So Mike, I'll I'll kick us off today. Yeah. All right, so in the number five spot, I finally, calling back to the Christmas films episode where Mike, if you all remember, or if you didn't listen, I'll tell you now, instead of doing classic Christmas films, Mike ended up doing Christmas horror. So my number five is the 16-minute short film Treevenge. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, which was absolutely outrageous. It is from 2008. Again, it's a short. You can find it online. And the plot is pretty much exactly what I think you would figure from a, tit- a Christmas horror film titled Treevenge. You know... The tree, if some families go by their Christmas trees and on Christmas morning, the trees all decide they're going to fucking murder everyone. And it's absolutely ridiculous. I just, (laughs) I enjoyed the 16 minutes. It was absolutely fucking absurd. That's the thing about it. It's just an enjoyable 16 minutes that... I, I think I think it earned earned a shout out and I'm glad you went back and watched it. Yes, yes. Thank you. No, it was uh it was it was it was well worth the sixteen minutes. If it was a full length movie, I, I would hate it. But it as sixteen minutes it's fucking perfect. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um wow, okay. Love that pick. Uh my number five. Very recent episode. Top five driving episodes. Ooh, my driving movies. Sorry, uh, you and this is a movie that's been recommended to you to me by you since I met you in 2007. And that is Cars. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> Finally watched Cars this week. I broke down. And watched <laughs> it. Uh, all right. Here's, here's the thing about Cars. Well, it's a number five. I'm worried. No, it's it's totally fine. Like it's very it feels like, you know, a mashup 
of other like Disney and Pixar storylines, but like just this time with cars, uh-huh. which is okay. You know, there's some fun characters like like Guido and Luigi are great, and and I actually really enjoyed um, Larry the Cable Guy's performance as Mater. I kind of thought I would hate it because I don't I don't like his comedy at all, but I think he had a really cool character. The, the town is, is charming and like, you know, how the film was developed was basically, you know, honoring these small towns on the road on like Route 66. So it's it's kind of a cool idea. It has no business being as long as it is. That That's that's maybe the biggest problem with the movie is like it's not delivering that much for you. So I wish it was just significantly shorter, but it's it's ultimately harmless. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad I saw it. And and really what I think is important to say about this film, having like read up some stuff after I watched it, it seems like if you were a kid when this came out, this is like your favorite fucking movie ever. There's so many like dedicated fans. It absolutely crushed at the box office. Obviously it's sparked a franchise, but so many people just love this as a kid and brings them that nostalgia factor. And I can totally identify with that. So I, I give cars a pass. All right, I'll take it, I'll take it. And I agree, by the way, with Mater and Larry the Cable Guy. I'm not into his comedy as all at all, but he's the best He's the best character in the movie. Yeah, I think that's probably true, actually. Yeah, now that you say that, I think that's true. And and I somehow I, I kind of forgot that, that Owen Wilson was the main character, even though we just talked about the movie. And I thought he was good as well. He is. I mean, how can you not love Owen Wilson? He's just so great. You and know? The, the cast is absurd. Between like the cameos and the regular cast, Dude, I mean, Paul you can Newman go on for like a hundred people. But even like Richard Petty, yep. is in there. Mario Andretti, like like so many guys. I love the Bob Costas, uh, Daryl Waltrip duo. Oh my god, yes, I love Daryl. I like. I don't watch a lot of NASCAR, but I love Daryl Waltrip. He's a great commentator. Oh, um, and it was, yeah, man. I mean, it's it's. I agree with kind of what you said, where it's like. Um, one of the least like impactful sort of Disney or Pixar movies in terms of like life lessons. And it's definitely, it's definitely more aimed towards kids versus like kids slash adults, like some other ones. Totally. Um, there are, there are a couple like little nods to adults in there, but it's, it's really just like a feel good kids movie. And I almost never watched those, but I was, I was glad I did this one. I, I have a good memory of it. All right. That warms my heart. That warms my heart. Um, well, I'm going to take us right back, right back to horror for number, for number four. Nice. Um, so again, going back yet again to the Christmas podcast, I watched what I believe was your number two, the children. Oh shit. I can't wait to hear what you think about the this. 2008 film, the children, um, to refresh everyone's memory, it essentially like this, um, this family goes to spend the holidays at like this sort of secluded home um, of the mother of the family's sister. And so there's like two families there and the kids like, start getting sick it starts with with one of the one of the kids Polly. like right when he gets there he sort of like begins puking and they think oh yeah like oh i guess he's sick whatever but as it progresses 
all the kids get sick and they start like attacking the parents and trying to kill the parents. And so it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. Um, It's real crazy. It's like, but I've got to admit Treevenge, I put it number five because it's like 16 minute short film. I wasn't like, you know, I'm going to watch it once. I'll never watch it again. But I wasn't as big on this one as you, Mike. I wasn't as big as this one on you, as you. Um, as as someone that likes horror, just like you, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, but I don't know. I The whole time I was like, why are the kids getting sick? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I don't know. It's just... Okay, so to say this, in horror, I don't tend to like... I don't tend to like exorcism films or certain supernatural things. They don't scare me at all. I just don't like those are not my cup of tea typically. And this being like just like these kids that all that, you know, okay, something happened. They somehow get this thing and then they turn and they want to kill the parents. I just like there wasn't much in the way like I, you just had to take it at face value and be like okay like yeah. there's something yeah. and they kill the parents and that like sort of bothered me that's interesting because for me like i actually i am that guy a lot like i think we talked about it in our halloween episode but i'm the guy that's like well how the hell did the killer get in the closet that doesn't make any sense totally you, know? you are usually that guy but with this one it's so crazy and chaotic that like you don't i didn't i felt like i didn't have time to even worry about that you know, it was just so wild. I was just caught up in it. Yeah, I guess like and again, watching it, I was like, what the fuck? Like at a couple of the things like the like the sled scene, for instance, with Oof. the yeah. But uh, overall, I'd say in the horror verse, I wasn't overly that impressed, but there was some there were some crazy parts to it and i was happy that i watched it all right i'll take it i'll yeah. definitely take it i'd say that's my overall thoughts on it um okay my number 4 is a tv show and that is red oaks on amazon ooh so if you guys remember this is basically a show about kind of a an 80s country club in new jersey and that's that's probably all the pitch that you guys need, really. Um, and I, it's really easy watch. It's only like it's three seasons, but the third season is is truncated somewhat. It's only thirty minute episodes, so it's a really easy watch. And it's it was definitely good for that. And I'll say that I, there was definitely some bright spots when I was watching it. Um, well, for one, it definitely has like a you know being from the tri state, it definitely has some nostalgia vibes that I think we can appreciate that maybe other people won't necessarily cling on to. But um, Ennis Esmer as Dash is absolutely hilarious, and he basically steals every scene that he's in. Oh, he's fantastic. Um, and I think Alexandra Tertian, who plays Misty, who's not in a much bunch of stuff, though she's getting a few more things now that she was in this show, um, I think she's really great uh, as well. And, it's, and honestly, for a mixture of kind of lesser known people and sort of older famous people like Jennifer Grey, 
uh, and Paul Reiser, um, and even Gina Gershon. Like it's Richard the, the Kind. Is, yeah, the cast is shout out Richard Kind because he's in both my first picks. Actually, he's in Cars too. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I actually came to appreciate the cast. And really, what 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 stuck with me about this is like, I thought it was good. It was relaxing. I didn't necessarily love it when I watched it, but having kind of sat with it for a while i look back on it like really fondly and in a weird way i the things that happened in the show have almost become like like memories for me like this isn't spoiling anything but like when the two main characters go to paris and they have like you know a couple weeks away and it's it's they have some great like there's this whole video it's it's a long story but anyway like sometimes I think about that like that whole time and I'm like, wow, that was a great time back in the eighties in Paris. But then I realized I wasn't actually there, if that makes any sense. No, totally. And it's like that that's why I think I love the show so much, is because not yeah, not to say that it's relatable, but because it's a coming of age, there's probably pieces that everyone can relate to in some way, or just like makes you think about your own life in some small way it's like there's certain things that happen in the show that yes it's like i feel like after it's like you almost have a nostalgic look back on it to an extent yeah exactly and it's yeah oh i i really i really am happy to hear that yeah that one we mentioned back in the uh top underrated tv shows episode uh that's a uh i love that number four love that um Wow. Okay. So at number three, I'm going to keep the trend going once more. This is the final one I pulled from that Christmas episode. There were just so many from there that I needed to watch. I literally wanted to watch. It was how many? There's these three. And then I think there was eight films from that that I really wanted to watch. So number three is actually when you didn't choose, but you told us about it. Oh, okay. Dial code Santa Claus. Oh, shit. Yes. yes. I have a feeling you might love this, but I can't wait. Yeah, also also known, there's multiple other titles, but I, the most common other one is Deadly Games. Um, anyway, 1989 French horror thriller film. Um, as Mike had stated in the Christmas episode, the director of this had once, uh, the writer and director, Renee Manzor, he at one point had threatened legal action against the people that made Home Alone because he said that they like plagiarized from this film, which came out a year earlier. Anyways... Long story short with the plot, um, this kid is left home with his grandfather and it's he like is in this sort of like high tech mansion. And so on Christmas Eve, Santa Claus, well, not really Santa Claus, but a criminal that's dressed as Santa Claus ends up getting into the house unfortunately spoiler alert killing the dog which is totally fucked up 
and then this little kid uh thomas he ends up having to save the day and he pretty much in this crazy house he has all these traps set up very home alone-esque but a, a, ra- a rated r version and has to take down this criminal santa and it's uh it was crazy i mean there's there's many ridiculous moments and i love 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 the home alone movies so getting to see sort of an actual i mean i love the home alone movies i love horror movies i love thrillers so getting to see that all sort of tied up into one was very entertaining for me also also bonus i watched home alone too on your recommendation oh baby i didn't i didn't put it on my list because i know i must have seen it when i was a kid obviously uh-huh. but uh, i did watch it around christmas time and it's it's not good you know i'm still you, not are you it. a nut job are you a nut <laughs> job Sorry, man. The Christmas movies just don't work for me. Oh my God. You know what I forgot to mention also about this movie, Dial Code Santa Claus, which is interesting, is that it's basically, I didn't even know this existed, but like the killer finds out about the kid in his house through like basically an early form of the internet. Right, he has this like mini yes, tell, yes, yes. like which I'd never even heard of, but apparently, like, was a French internet that existed in the eighties. Really That's bizarre, so insane. And it was literally, yeah, literally in the late eighties. Like that is insane to think about. It's like a payphone, but with internet, and then the internet came, and it just obviously went away. But yeah, it's it's very like it's weird how prescient that would become, and how many different horror movies you know, are based on a similar sort of premise about being careful about what you do online and stuff like that. So, so ahead of its time. And yeah, that's, that's an, that is definitely an interesting one. I may have to go back and watch that someday. Cause I, I really didn't like it. I felt lost, but uh-huh. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. Like it, it wasn't good, but it's just like, it's hard not to enjoy being along for the ride. Yeah, and it's it's so eighties. Like, there's just absurd montage sequences. And, yep. like it's 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 a film. It's one that I think because it's tied to so many different things, I think people should definitely seek it out. But but yeah, I didn't love it. There we go. What's your number three? Well, my number three, I'm gonna cheat. I'm gonna cheat because my number three is based on our friend Ian Fisher, over the top action, Doctor Action. Doctor Action, self-given nickname. <laughs> One of my favorite picks of our entire podcast so far, and I think this is is this episode maybe twenty five, something like that. So, you know, we've put in about six months of work on this thing. One of my favorite picks was every Gerard Butler movie. Oh my god, yes, yes, <laughs> just one of the funniest picks. Big, big, big shout out, Doctor Action. So, you know, uh, I don't know have what you've seen but i think uh most people are probably familiar with the the fallen trilogy olympus has fallen angel has fallen that whole thing mm-hmm. i watched den of thieves and i watched law-abiding citizen wow have you seen either of those i have seen den of thieves okay so den of thieves is also not great it's really just heat 
but redone. But it is crazy because the you know like the criminal gang is Fifty Cent, Cheddar Bob, and Ice Cube Jr., which is incredible. It's honestly uh, an enjoyable watch. It's just not it's, like a great movie at the end of the day. I, I but... wouldn't. I would definitely wouldn't say don't watch it. I definitely liked oh, it. Oh, I yeah. would. Oh, I would a hundred percent agree. It was. I saw it in theaters, and I thought it was well worth the watch. I don't know if I'd ever watch it again, but in the Gerard Butler like verse, it's uh, it's at the very least worth a watch. I I'd have to think about them all to rank it, but it's definitely not in. I don't think it's in my bottom half. I think it's in my top half. And also Pablo Schreiber, he's yep. You know he's in Orange and the New Black and American Gods, which is two shows I've never seen, so I'm not as familiar. I mean, I've seen him on Weeds and I've seen him on The Wire, but I'm not as familiar with his work. But I definitely liked him in this movie. So uh, yeah, I think this one is. It's the original cut was even longer, which is insane. But uh, isn't it like two and a half hours as is? It's like 220 and the original cut was like 240. And it doesn't it doesn't need to be that long. There's already like a bunch of extra scenes, but it's but it's fun. However, we need to talk about Law Abiding Citizen. This oh, movie I need to Okay, I'm actually pissed that I didn't watch it, Mike, because you saying it I'm like, god damn it, Ian told us how badly we needed to watch this movie. So I will say that this movie is kind of awesome and then it fucks up the end, which is which is unfortunate for me, but it is definitely a great pick for over the top action. Retroactive kudos to Ian because I hadn't seen it obviously, but it is extremely over the top. And talk about movies that go for it. This one fucking goes for it. And there's all kinds of people like I don't want to say too much, but like, you know, innocent people are getting killed in extreme ways and it's kind of great. And then it's just sort of a letdown at the end. But, you know, this to me is always a good selling point in a movie. Here are the Rotten Tomato scores for Law Abiding Citizen. Tomato meter, 26%. Audience score, 75%. That is crazy. That's when you know you've got a good film. When critics yep. are being stupid and people are like, no, this film rocks. You know, F. Gary Gray directed it, you know, straight out of Compton, Italian job, Friday. Kurt Wimmer wrote it. He wrote uh, Salt, Ultraviolet, one of the movies that I really love, Equilibrium, that like nobody else loves and is maybe not a great film, but I personally love. Um, and yeah, man, this one is just absolutely crazy. And. The last selling point that I have for you, besides that someone gets murdered with some food in a crazy way, is that, you know, it's the whole film is basically like a, a, a battle of, of minds between Gerard Butler and Jamie Foxx. And they literally were cast as the opposite roles. And then depending on who you believe, one of them called up the other one and was like, hey, do you think we should just switch roles? And they were like, yes. And then they ended up just taking the totally opposite roles. Uh, Mike, I'm in. It's a, it's a, wild, film. It's a wild film. It's a great pick for, I mean, it's definitely worth a watch. Like I said, the end was a letdown to me, but it's still a wild one. And great, great pick by Ian. It is over the top action. Oh my God. I can't wait. I can't wait to get on that one. Um, great pick. And speaking of, over the top action movies. 
that's where my number two comes from. That very episode. So, okay. Number two. I don't believe this was on either of your lists, but you both told me I needed to watch this. Perhaps as it was an honorable mention. It is the 2012 film Dread. Yes. Okay, nice. And so, you know, Judge Dread, this isn't the OG one. This is a new version. Came out in 2012. It was uh, it was actually written. I didn't know this um, until after I watched it, but it was written and produced by Alex Garland, who's one of my favorite writers. Um, he wrote the movie Sunshine, which was, you know, directed by Danny Boyle. He wrote the book The Beach, which is one of my favorite books ever. They turned it into the movie with Leonardo DiCaprio, with Dan, which Danny Boyle also directed. He, well, let's put it this way. I'm going to keep saying Danny Boyle. He's worked with Danny Boyle a lot. They did 28 Days Later. Um, he also directed Ex Machina and Annihilation, two great sci-fi films, um, as well as the recent uh, miniseries that was on Hulu, uh, Devs. Anyway, he wrote this. I'm making a big deal. I just love Alex Garland. But it stars Carl Urban as Dread and as Judge Dread. Anyway, long story short, with the plot. Also, it's got it's got what's her face. It's got Lena Lena Headey who plays Cersei on Game of Thrones as the bad guy, which is great, and she's great. And it's very similar to the raid. Would you? Would you? In a way. In a way. What do you say, Mike? Yeah, I think that maybe is how we pitched it to you. Is that it's Judge Dread on the raid. Well, it's Judge Dread universe with like the raid plot, yeah, which I, is pretty cool. I th- exactly. I think that's exactly how you guys pitched it to me, and that is exactly what it's like. It's Judge Dread in this building, tons of thieves. They all want to kill him, and there's a there's obviously a bit of a plot in there, and it's great. I I had a ton of fun with it. It was you know, it's it was not one of my favorite movies. I, I absolutely enjoyed and liked it and thinks it I think it's a great addition to the action, you know, universe. And can confirm it's definitely way better than the original. So if you ever seen the original Judge Dredd with Stallone, this one's much better and watch this one. Hundred percent. Um okay, my number two is I think I mentioned this briefly a few weeks ago that I had done this. But I'm glad I can expand upon that in more detail here. Um, back to the rom-coms episode. Uh, we had discussed very briefly at the le- end of a very long list of honorable mentions that you and your girlfriend Alex are on different sides of the no-strings-attached friends-with-benefits debate. Oh, wow. Can you remind me who likes which? Alex? likes no strings attached more i like friends with benefits more okay so i watched both of them um then i looked online and it seems a clear online consensus that friends with benefits is better and those people are all wrong ah, ah. No, no strings attached is the better movie bro oh. it's no strings attached and really i just think no strings attached has much better character development and the supporting roles are all better. Kevin Klein, 
Greta Gerwig, Lake Bell, Ludacris, Jake Johnson, Mindy Kaling. Wow. When did Incredible. The, when did these all come out? Wasn't it 2011. like... Okay. So, look, I haven't seen either film since 2011, if they both came out that same year, which I think they did. They did, yeah. Um, I need to go back. I do need to go back and rewatch them. I remembered just from my limited memory from back then, I remembered Friends with Benefits being just a little more fun and breezy, like, rom-com, which is, I think, what I was looking for at the time. No Strings Attached, I felt like, went a little bit deeper, perhaps, but I don't know. I remembered not loving their two characters as much as I like Timberlake and, and Mila Kunis in Friends with Benefits. So I'll have to rewatch and see if my opinion's different, but I guess Alex won that battle. I definitely think you're right, though. That's that's exactly right. That Friends with Benefits is just it's a little bit more fun. You know, the star power is a little bigger, obviously, and they just go... Like there are some fun, like really small roles, like like Emma Stone is in it and Andy Samberg's in it, but like just for a minute, like mm-hmm. basically just for a laugh, you know. Uh, Woody Harrelson's fantastic in that movie, but that's he's amazing anyway. He's always so amazing. yeah. For me, that was just more surface, and and I thought that No Strings Attached was just a, a little bit of a deeper exploration of the topic. But again, the internet has spoken, and they all agree with you. So. Wow, I, I didn't know the internet was on my side on this one. Um, let us know. Please let us know, everyone, which one you prefer. This is a big, this is a big important battle. But it ter- in terms of the podcast, I'm outvoted two to one. So love that. Love that. Well, you're going to love my number one, Mike. You I are going wait. to love it. I can't wait. Ever since we recorded the Nicole Kidman episode, there's been one movie that I have needed to desperately watch after your description. And that movie is Malice. Yes. Fuck yes. Yes. (laughs) Oh, the 1993 thriller that was partly written by Aaron Sorkin. And... As Mike, of course, told us on the Nicole Kidman episode, it stars Nicole Kidman, Alec Baldwin, Bill Pullman, and you have some small random roles. By You've got Peter Gallagher in there. You've got Tobin Bell, and most shockingly, given how big she is now, Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, anywho, this was promised to me as just having so many ridiculous twists and turns once you hit like the halfway point of the film. And I was not disappointed in the slightest. Dude, and I didn't want to spoil it for you then, but you asked me about the serial killer and I couldn't tell you that the serial killer was Jigsaw. It's unbelievable. (laughs) Who knew? They knew 10 years before the first saw even came out. It's just, oh my God. It is so outrageous. Like the way that you described it to me, you were like, once you hit like the halfway point, every five minutes, there's a new twist and it gets more and more ridiculous. And that is exactly how it plays out. So wild. It's so wild. Like it is entertaining the entire way through. Like everyone's great in it. I mean, Alec Baldwin, great in it. Bill Pullman, who I love and think has always been somewhat underrated great in it like 
Nicole Kidman, of course, great in it. And Mike, the line you hyped up to me absolutely was the greatest line of the movie. Wait, wait, wait which one? The jack of cards. Why <laughs> <laughs> have a fucking jack of clubs in my pocket? <laughs> but even the whole, the whole, uh, like, uh, Alec Baldwin, like, soliloquy. <laughs> I am God. It's just incredible. it was awesome like truly if anyone is into these thrillers especially like sort of the 90s thriller again if you're into thrillers you know what we mean by a 90s thriller they're they made a lot of them it was a very popular time for the genre but if you're into the genre you have to see this movie it's not going to be the best one you've ever seen but it's very entertaining and just absolutely outrageous and I won't give away the ending, but somewhere there where you find out what's going on with the kid and the doll, you're like, actually, this is kind of like smart, well, well conceived. Like yeah. you could see that Aaron Sorkin put some time into this script and it it did know where it was going, even if that place was absurd. Yes. As ridiculous as it is, everything that happened could have actually happened in real life. It was insane. Like some of it was a long shot, but like. It wasn't out of the realm of possibility. It's it's just a wild ride. I'm it so is. glad you saw it. Oh my god. It was it was it was truly a pleasure. So thanks for recommending it. Wow, okay. My number one. So you already know that I watched this movie, but I don't think you would have thought that'd be my number one. Wow. This is actually a recommendation from Alex, also from our rom com episode. Ooh. And that is the 1987, I'm going to call it a cult classic, Overboard. Oh, my God. She is going to freak out when I tell Dude, her this. I've also said this to you already, but Overboard is over Schwartz. <laughs> it, it is incredible, dude. I can't believe how good this movie is. Also, it has absolutely no business working. So, like, just a quick recap. For anyone to realize how silly this is, oh it's like, God. God, this. I mean, Goldie Hawn gets amnesia, and Kurt Russell lies and says that they're married, and like effectively turns her into like a mind, wa- like a brainwashed slave to take care of her children, so that he can just like go drink beer. There's like it. I can't believe that this movie. And what I want to say is like this movie would never be made today. Which is insane because actually it was just remade like two years ago. <laughs> and the remake I heard was terrible. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was because the movie totally relies on just you loving Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn, which you do. But I just think that – I think Goldie Hawn is like – her role is surprisingly difficult. Like she has to act in so many different ways because she's a bitch in the beginning. Then she's in this whole confused state. Then she becomes – it's just like ultra sweet, like best mom ever. Um, and then she even evolves into like, you know, she's really pushing Kurt Russell to become like a better man. There's this whole thing about mini golf, which is absurd, but like it kind of works. And they're just, they're, it shouldn't work at all, but like they're so charming. The premise is insane. There's a surprising amount of like kind of crass, like raunchy humor, even from like the little kids. That's that's insane, and and just knowing you know about the two of them in real life, it's just it. This one I just couldn't believe how good it was. Honestly, it's so good. 
Dude, I am. She is going to be so excited to listen to this and hear you gush about Overboard because she fucking talks about this movie all the time. All the time. Dude, and it's a Gary Marshall classic. You know, he directed Runaway Bride, Princess Diaries, Pretty Woman. I mean, this is just. Well, and this was. And I don't think you. Maybe you just already said this. This is where Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell met. Yeah. 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 And they're still together today. They're just, you know, I hear about them all the time because Alex loves them, loves that they're, you know, this epic power couple. And they do. They seem like an awesome couple. And apparently, I think recently they said for the first time, I think since like right around when it came out, they sat down together and watched Overboard, which is pretty epic. And they said they the hell out of it. It's just, yeah, man, this is just a, just a quintessential rom-com for me. Great film. And another one where the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is way higher than the critics, which is, again, sign of a great movie. True. That's that's always when you know it's going to be good. It's like, if you get the, the other way around, not always the case. This way around, if the audience loves it, you're probably going to love it. And, and before we sign off here, I just want to say, you know, we were, we wanted to do this episode because obviously, you know, we say, oh, you should watch that. Oh, you'll like that. Just like Malice, just like this movie, Overboard. Really, we've also had a bunch of people I know reach out to us that listen to the pod and have said, oh, because you guys, you know, talked about this. I started watching this and I love it. And that's that's just the best. That just makes us feel great. So I please keep doing that. Please do. Please, please do. And oh, man. Yeah, this was I'm so happy we got to do this. And we're going to have to do this again at some point, definitely, so that we can continue to do this and catch up on films. And yeah, this was a was a fun little week. Absolutely. Absolutely. And last shout out of the episode. Big shout out, Karen. It's her birthday today. Wow. Wow. Happy birthday, Karen. And hey, if you want to reach us, you can email us at topfivesanddeepdives at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at topfivesanddeepdives and Twitter at topfives. All right, we'll see you next week. Peace out, guys. Peace. Top fives and deep dives without a PTM. Top fives and deep dives without a PTM.